Jason Cousin and I, Eric Render King Fisk, wrap up our month of conspiracy theories and government cover-ups by talking about the prosecution of Julian Assange and the important work of his website and others that are exposing wrongdoing. We also talk about decolonizing Mars and the ethical questions of space exploration, genetically modified babies, and more. All this and laughs on the Metaphysical Connections Paranormal News of the Week for December 1st, 2018 with Jason Cousineau. Thanks for listening and stay tuned. And I just got to know, which story do you want to start with first? Um, let's start, let's start, first of all, because it's a follow-up, let's, let's start with the, the Google editing there. I think that results. that's, I was kind of, because I was hoping you were going to say that because I just wanted to get this out of the way. If you follow yeah. me, if you follow me on Twitter and Facebook, um, at Fedora Chronicle, um, I've posted a couple of screen captures that I have of my Google search results for if you go and you look for Fedora Chronicles, the information is not secure, or the information is not secure, Fedora Chronicles, via Google, you will not find this article that I wrote. And it is like, after looking at some of our analytics, it's like, it's probably the number one article that I've ever written in the history of the Fedora Chronicles, especially in, in all of my rants, as it were. I think the only one that comes close to it is the one where I, I wrote Requiem of Steampunk, where I was talking about how steampunk, as an anti, um, count, as a counterculture movement, steampunk is dead. We should stop calling it steampunk and call it something else. That's really controversial and it pissed off a lot of people. And there are still people writing about it. Um, but as far as like my rants go, my pol- my social political rants, the information is not secure is the most popular rant I've ever written. For some reason, it's not showing up in the Google search results. And I talk- and again, just to recap, this is an article talking about how any of the information you put online is not secure, not private in any way because of companies like Google. Yeah. Well, and on on top of that, um. And, and I, I wrote this article at the height of the controversy surrounding WikiLeaks. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, oh, wow, surprise, all of this information that we thought was secure in the Pentagon and the Department of Justice, the State Department, the entire alphabet soup is now been leaked on WikiLeaks. Yep. And you can you can read what they go to WikiLeaks and just type in UFO and and, and or alien contact or whatever just any stonehenge look up your own name and see if they have any documents on you yep just and, you know and i encourage that and a lot of a lot of people are like saying you shouldn't be reading those articles because they were illegally <laughs> stolen and they're out on the internet illegally well yeah jay don't you think that it's a bigger crime that the government is doing all of this awful stuff in our name than what Julian Assange ever did or Edward Snowden. All they did is, yes, they have illegally seized documents, stolen documents that they're putting out online for everybody to see, only to find out that um, the government is, is doing awful stuff in our name, in the name of national security and stuff like that. Like um, assassinations of, of foreign officials in other countries. 
don't you think that we have the right to know that the CIA is um, screwing with other countries' elections? Don't you think that we have the right to know that? I hate to sound like I well, have, you know. See, see here's, this is where I, I'm of two minds of it, right? There's the, the one part of me, the more, uh, I'll call it libertarian part of me, that says we have a right to know. And we should know what the government is doing in our name and, and why they're doing it. Um, on the other hand, there's the part of me that's a veteran that says, well, national security is an actual thing. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that is something that we really should take seriously because historically we have not. So I'm kind of on two minds about that. Mm -hmm. There is, to me... A line drawn between them if you're endangering if you're endangering the lives of u.s operatives or u.s government officials when they're working abroad under covert or even clandestine operations that is morally wrong to me that being said i don't think it's morally wrong to show that the government is doing something with those operatives that is frankly reprehensible right um as far as like manipulating other countries elections and messing with other countries elections it, it happens i think you know every country in the world that has the ability to do so has done so because they're trying to manipulate those elections of those countries in their own self-interest. That oh, yeah. is what nations do. It's been happening since the medieval times when people would marry people off to form political alliances or commit assassinations and all of that. It's the same thing. It's just the modern expression of it because most of the world has allegedly elected officials. Yep. So, you know, I mean... To some extent, I expect bad behavior from a government because that's what governments do. Governments protect themselves. Right. The government is more interested in protecting itself than it is protecting its citizens. But at the same time, I think the citizens have a right to know, hey, there's some if your government's engaging in some shady shit, you have a you have a right to know that. You have a right you know? and responsibility to know so you can be an informed voter or at least yeah. that's what I thought we wanted. Right. That And that's where that's where the dichotomy comes in because where in between this, those two concepts is a gray area. And that's where all of this WikiLeaks stuff and Edward Snowden, I, I hate, I hate the fact that Edward Snowden did things the way he did them because it did put people out there just doing their jobs for out of a sense of patriotism. He put their lives at risk. You know, I read an article once somewhere that because of what he did, there were, I want to say it was in the teens. It was like the mid teens, like 16, 14 kind of area of people that had spies that had been basically found out and killed. Yeah. As a result of what he did. And I, I haven't read anything to confirm that. Right. But. If one person dies because you feel a sense of moral superiority to say, hey, look, your government's engaging in shady shit, then you have lost your moral high ground because you've resulted in the death of another person. 
Yeah, and I think that that is that's a very difficult thing. Whereas it's like, how do I balance that? And right. the thing is, is it's like I feel bad if any serviceman, any American, or any of our allies die because of linked documents. I feel bad about that. I really yeah. honestly do. And the thing is, is that <laughs> do other people's lives supersede our right to know? Well, and it's like. Well, that's a that's a kind of a decision that everyone sort of needs to make on our own, and this is where like stories like this one on on Julian Assange about you know supposedly he's being charged in the U.S. and it's a secret, and the New York Times supposedly got it revealed to them by mistake. Yeah. First of all, whenever a newspaper says they they found out by mistake. It was leaked. <laughs> it was leaked. Someone somebody, does it on purpose. Somebody leaked it to them. I mean, have you seen the post? Have you have you seen all the president's men? Leaks like right. that just don't happen. People don't just right. say, oh my God, I accidentally sent something to the New York Times. Oh no. <laughs> that doesn't yeah. happen. Or right. it doesn't happen oh, as shit. often as I if, hit forward. Oh uh, crap. I, didn't mean to do that. <laughs> I was just playing around. I just I was just wondering, huh, could I could huh. I type info at NewYorkTimes.com and what would happen if I click send? Oh no! Right? I, it, exactly. it, it doesn't happen like that. The no, idea it doesn't. That they, it just yeah. It just really. I don't. And I haven't. I confess, I haven't read this entire article. But yeah, it just it just kills me because you know they're claiming an accidental leak. This is the same newspaper that was so proud of what they did to um, to Richard Nixon. Yeah. With Deep Throat, you know what I mean. You're talking the Washington In, Times. That, that's right. That was Washington. Yeah. But correct me if I'm wrong. They're owned by the same uh, parent company, I thought. I think they are now. They weren't back then. That was oh, before okay. the consolidation of all of these media companies. Um, yeah. Well, also, this is the other thing, too. You've got a, you know, people are like, well, why would the New York Times say something like that if it's not true? And what it boils down to is look at their readership. I think that there is an argument to be made about there being some sort of conspiracy to undermine the government by the New York Times when there's a Republican in office. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that, no, I, I don't think that that's, I don't think that that's true all the time. I think that it's like, if they think that it is going to sell newspapers, they'll throw their own under the bus. Perfect example is would, the whole Monica I would like Lewinsky. to think that. Huh? I would like to think that. I, I I would like to think that, but there are there are stories that they haven't covered or haven't covered well that would have generated the money, but they they just didn't put in the effort. But yeah, there are time there are stories that they have they have not covered or they've covered poorly or they've not put yeah. in effort into put getting coverage on when it benefits a certain political party. You know, for example, in this article, there's one where they they mention Robert Mueller investigation yeah. in this article, just to remind people, hey, we're still anti-Trump here. Yeah, of right? course, of course. And they mention that WikiLeaks published thousands of emails from Democrats during the presidential race that were stolen by Russian intelligence officers. Okay, it couldn't have anything to do with the fact that one of the presidential candidates for a particular party was just not smart in how they were handling their 
electronic intelligence assets. Yeah, there's a great book called Glass Ceiling, and it's talking about the um, the 2016 presidential election through uh, the the eyes of the people who are on Hillary Clinton's side of the of the campaign, mm-hmm. especially you know her what was going on within the campaign, especially with um, Mr. Podesta and Huma Aberdeen and what was going on with her hun- husband, Anthony Weiner. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry. Oh my gosh. I'm so immature. I can't say the Anthony. Most, I the can't. most appropriately named man in history. And, I mean. the, and the thing is that it was just like, and of course her illegal server um, where she, where Hillary Clinton had, um, top secret files going through her um, unsecured server and how a lot of voters looked at that and says, look, I'm not comfortable with that. Yeah, I know that people did it under George W. Bush, but we're Democrats. I thought we were better than that. I thought that we were smarter than that. And the entire book, Shattered, talks about how Hillary Clinton was just tone deaf. She did not listen to people who say, you have to go to the flyover states. You have to go to middle America. You have to talk to the working class. Stop talking about the working class and working families as if you were talking about some endangered marsupial somewhere in Madagascar. It's it's not some obscure academic concept. These are actual people. These are people right. that need government leadership. They need help. They need a stronger economy. Um, and harken back to another book that I had reviewed earlier this year, Listen Liberal, by Thomas Frank. And he's talking about the reason why the neoliberals and the new Democrat Party keeps losing elections or they take two steps forward and three steps back with, and that's what I think this 2018 election is, is that the only time neoliberals win is when they are successfully able to demonize Republicans. When they are able to successfully demonize Republicans. That's the only time when they win. win. What is their message? I I, I would disagree with that premise. Okay. just um, on one minor point. Well, that's what Thomas Frank says. That's what he believes. That's what right. I got out of his book. Whether I right. believe it or I, not, it's totally Personally, I, I, I disagree with that. I think uh, they win, when, they tend to win more elections when they're able to talk about how they are able to help people because all elections are, people are selfish creatures in yeah. general. Everyone votes for their own self-interests, whether they think they are or not because there's a lot of people out there who vote and say oh i'm helping out the less advantaged no you're not yeah you're voting that way because you feel good thinking you're doing that right if you look into pretty much anything the government has done to help out the quote-unquote help out the poor most of it has been more to keep them down than it has been to lift them up yeah and so the people that are voting for that think they're doing a good thing and that's why they're voting for that and whether it's the Republicans or the Democrats or hell, even some of the independent parties, they tend to win better when they have a coherent message and are able to at least somewhat prove that 
they're able to help people. You know, like Trump, for example. Trump gained seats in the Senate. Yeah. Because right now, most people have a job. They're gainfully employed, meaning they're not underemployed. Right. They are doing more. They're they're able to do more with their money. And that's a powerful tool of motivation. And that's why Trump didn't get a shellac the shellacking in twenty eighteen that Barack Obama got in, you know, twenty ten. So it's I've seen it on both parties. I remember the Republicans being the party of no up until Reagan got elected. Yeah. Right. And they were still reeling and just pissed off and angry that Tricky Dicky got caught doing something that, as far as most Republican or most, excuse me, most politicians are concerned, isn't that big of a deal. That's just part of politics. Right. And, you know, these, these upstart freaking newspaper reporters had the gall to say that that's a bad thing. And I think the Democrats were kind of laughing behind their hands because they're doing the same things. They just didn't get caught. And they're thinking to themselves, oh, look at those idiots. They got caught, you know, because um, I don't trust either one of the parties. I really don't. There are no. things that I agree with with the Republicans and not as many, but some things I agree with with the Democrats. So I'm I, I don't vote Republican. I vote for I, I look at the candidates to try and find out where they stand on multiple issues. I'm not a one issue voter either. And it, to me. We would all be better off if we if we were able as people and as a society to get beyond the political shorthand that is represented by the two parties. Yeah. You know, no matter no matter how we try and do it, there's always going to be that form of political shorthand because the majority of people just do not have an interest in spending time finding that much about the candidates. They'll look at one issue, and in a lot of cases, it's a single issue thing where they're like, "Hey, you know, um, gun rights are my thing, or abortion is my thing," right. and so I need to know how this this person stands on that. You know, um, at least they're more informed than the other people who are just like, "Oh, I hate politicians," but they vote every year. Well, if you hate politicians, yeah. and if you don't like the political process. To be quite honest with you, you're uninformed, and I would rather you didn't vote. Yeah. I'm not going to tell you not to. I'm just going to say you're doing more harm than good. What drives me crazy are these people who say that they're oh they're they're fighting for blank and they're and they're and they're working hard for for blank and all they do is is that they they post crap on social media. They go vote once every other year and. They're making a lot of noise, but when you ask them, it says, okay, tell me again how you think that the policy of X is helping or hurting people. And they're kind of like, what? Oh, I, yeah. I, just, I, I, just, I just see a headline that I like, that um, the headline yeah. to the article affirms what I already believe, so I'm going to pass that on. And it was like, and, and by the way, don't think for a minute that by me criticizing Hillary means that I'm a Donald Trump fan. Or if I right. criticize Donald Trump, um, I'm a Hillary Clinton fan. I, right. I, I'm I, at the point after doing so much reading on on politics and what's going on in on the world stage with, with the central banks and stuff like that, um, 
I'm disgusted with both political parties. And what yeah. do you do when you are disgusted with both both political parties? You and, bitch about whoever's in charge. That's what I do. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm also right now I'm in the in the middle of reading about the financial collapse in 2008 uh yeah, 2008. I can't I cannot believe that it's more than more than 10 years that that has yeah. passed. And and the thing is is it who's to blame? How did this happen? The central banks and the Federal Reserve. And the mm-hmm. Federal Reserve under two, under um, how far back do we want to go? Do we want to go back as far back as Bill Clinton with the repeal of Glass-Steagall? And you talk to people about the, the repeal of Glass-Steagall and how banks were able to co-mingle um, different kinds of investing and stop talking about um, bank loans and and uh, securities and and bonds and stocks and stuff like that and start talking about it as as banking products when they started talking about it as banking products it 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 went from being something that you have to take seriously and we're talking it's i mean look it's a loan it's a mortgage you take it seriously when it's a it's a product it's a product that they have to move off the shelf quickly it's when they're talking about banking products it sort of like takes it, it puts it in a different mindset. Yeah. And they were able to do things before they were able to do things after the repeal of Glass Steagall and these other um regulations that no sane person before Glass Steagall would even think of of doing, such as mm-hmm. um and, and you can even I mean bun- you could even if you want to if you want to pin it on Glass-Steagall, you could even go prior to Glass-Steagall and look at the run-up of what was happening that led to Glass-Steagall. Like the tech-com bubble that burst. And well, lot- the tech-com bubble that burst, also the efforts to make sure more people bought a house, because they were, you got to remember, there were, the federal government put a lot of pressure yeah. on the banking institutions to make it easier for people to get a mortgage because well, uh, yeah and that's, that's called fi- that's called fiscal risk yeah. you're making riskier loans so how are you going to absorb that larger risk as a financial institution you know you're making loans that are have a likelihood of being defaulted on that's why they weren't getting the loans previously because they had this product called mortgage backed securities Whereas exactly. you took all of these, and there's a great movie about this. It spends two hours explaining how this is such a, a huge problem. And I and I wrote a review about it I called The Big Short, talking about how you would take these horrible loans, these liar loans, mm-hmm. uh, no income verification, um, no credit checks, whatever. They were giving loans to people who could never have possibly have paid the back once the teaser rate was set to the the original mortgage interest rate that everybody else was paying plus making up the difference in the principal that you didn't pay for the for the first two or five years that you had your quote teaser rate and and the thing is that it was like it gets back to the whole notion of of banking products and it was like Mm -hmm. you have to push these products to keep making money people were making ridiculous amounts of money leading up to 2007 2008 when all of a sudden all of these banks who had these ridiculous stupid liars loans 
suddenly were defaulting and they were defaulting at an alarming rate. I think that's right. like there's one. And then the government stepped in yeah. and did the wrong thing. And this is where George Bush failed us because yeah. instead of the way the way the economy works, and I'm I'm not a trained economist. This is how I've seen things work. Yeah. When people have money, the economy does well. Yeah. And instead of using the the power of the federal government to assist the people to spend more money, what they did was they gave it to the banks who already had the money. Right. And then what did they do? Most they, of the executives took extravagant vacations. They threw these awesome parties. They had, you know, corporate they had corporate parties in it at exotic destinations like Milan or you know Hawaii or something like that. The Virgin you know, Islands. They went on these yeah, the Virgin one. Islands. Um, I seem to recall one one banking group actually rented out an entire cruise ship just <laughs> yes. for their own just for their own people. Yeah, and that's what they and that's what some of these banks did. That's what some of these institutions did with um uh, with our money, with, with yeah. the money the federal government gave them. Yeah. And, the th and it's because George Bush worked in the banking industry. And he felt, you know, hey, you know, well, I work with these guys. They're they're pretty good. So I think I'll just, uh, yeah, we'll just give them the money and then they'll they'll make sure it gets to the right people. Yeah, and, you know, exactly. George, you're an idiot. Oh, George, yeah. You're an idiot. And, and, and the thing is, is that where was the bailout for the people who were losing their homes? Where, where's, I have a cousin the, who is an economist, and he said if they had taken the exact same amount of money and given it to the people, just the people who had a home mortgage, yeah, every person with a mortgage could have gotten a hundred thousand dollars. And if you applied that to your mortgage, suddenly mo a lot of people are going to have mortgages of like you know fifty thousand dollars, forty thousand dollars. Yeah, and. Imagine what you could do if all of a sudden $100,000 of your mortgage, the principal on your mortgage was suddenly paid off. What could you do with that? Yeah. You're right? Oh, I know exactly but, what I would do with it. I think that that's a rhetorical question. I don't think you want me to answer that because that's a, right. that's well, a, that's a topic for another podcast. Oh, yeah, yeah. That, or, the, you know, over a glass of brandy. But the, <laughs> <laughs> we'd be, we, we would be recording this podcast in our, in our spacious offices at the Taj Mahal. Exactly. And, that's a, and, that's a, and that's another thing that drives me crazy, listening to these people who are talking about how um, these things that, that historically do not work in the long run for the economy. Like, let's let's um put it to the voters let's let's put a bond initiative on the ballot we'll have the people decide if whether or not we want to raise the money raise 200 million dollars to build a casino on the outskirts of town to raise money <laughs> so we can fix the roads and fix the schools you, you they can't get the money together to fix the schools and fix the roads but they can squirrel up the money really quick yeah. to build a casino that I'm not sure anybody actually wants. wants. Well, well, here's the other thing too, right? Yeah. Because when you when you look at it, I mean, we're talking about these things and, and we're kind of guilty of, of what we're complaining about other people yeah. are doing because even with like the mortgage, right? I'm complaining about George Bush not giving the money to the people. What would the Democrats have said had he done that? Well, the first thing they would have said is, 
he's giving the money to rich people. No matter what, no matter what, whatever yeah. one side does, the other, the side, other side says does. that's a bad thing. Right, and it's that's the the bipolar nature of our our two party system that just frustrates me to know. Oh yeah, because nobody's able to get anything done because we have right. this idea that anything the other side does is evil. Well, what if you just right. look at it from a centrist point of view, or as somebody who you know, like me, has sort of woken up to the idea is that both parties are corrupt. Here's a pile. Of, here's a stack of books that I can point at, and I can say, including this book that I'm reading right now, Collusion, talks about how the central banks and the Federal Reserve here in the United States manipulated currencies and economies in other countries like Mexico and Brazil. Oh, what we've done to South America and Central America is It's a crime. Criminal. And when I say we, I don't mean the United States. I mean all of the quote-unquote first world countries. What we've done in Africa and yeah. South America and Central America is, is no better than the empire building that was going on in the 17th and 18th century. It really isn't really isn't it's just it's absolutely vile it's just it's just using central banking and the promise of loans and the promise of financial aid as another right. as another weapon and that's and, and that's what we tie did. in a bunch of conspiracy theories together like brazil for example yeah a lot of uh a, there's we know for a fact that a lot of nazis ended up in brazil argentina um, argentina Argentina. Well, they they went to Argentina through Brazil, right? So there was in the fifties a lot of uh, the government spent a lot of time in covert and clandestine operations in Brazil, trying to chase down these Nazis that they knew had fled there. Yeah, and we know that Hitler did not die where we were taught he was dead, because the one body was uh, that they said was Hitler was a female, and the other body was just. Some Too random tall. dude. Yeah. So it yeah, just could. Yeah. There's it was a, like five inches taller than we knew what the Fuhrer was. So we know Hitler did not die where history tells us he died. Right. Well, there we, are we, there were well, at the end of World War II, there are many different reports, but there mm -hmm. are different locations saying, hey, we got Hitler's dead body. There, well, we were watching a documentary about there were three different occasions in Berlin alone. Yep. Just and the United States wanted to let Russia have credit for the kill for political reasons. Yeah. So you take all of that and all that is going on. You've got all these clandestine and covert operations that are happening in Brazil, Argentina, and in Chile, for whatever reason, um, Pinochet was put in power basically by the CIA. And all of this really dark crap that was happening in brazil in the in the 60s and 70s they were they had people that were being literally pulled off the street and tortured as political dissidents when in reality they had no political aspirations whatsoever and that was a lot of those people that were being tortured were being tortured by people who had been trained by united states intelligence officers and assets and we knew what was going on and didn't do a bloody thing about it. I mean, there's, and we weren't the only ones that were doing that in that area of the world. 
I mean, Israel had some really shady shit going on down there, too, because they were trying to hunt down every single fucking Nazi that ever existed. Yeah. Um, you also had France was involved in a lot of it, or at least complicit in a lot of it, for very similar reasons. They they wanted to they wanted to combat the sense that they just basically gave up and let the Nazis take over their country. So they were trying to combat that image so that they, they could be relevant on the world stage. So they were involved with a lot of shady shit down there. England has always been wanting in some ways to get back to the heyday of the British Empire. Mm -hmm. And so they were had their hands in some shady shit. And God only knows what the Russians were doing. We have no fucking clue. We really don't. About the only people that weren't fucking up uh, South America at the time was probably Japan because they were still trying to get their shit together. Yeah. You know? Speaking, so, speaking of not knowing what the hell we're, they're doing, how did we get on this topic? We're talking about <laughs> Julian Assange and we're talking about WikiLeaks and like what the government is doing. And we got well, on this, uh, we get on this like th this kick well, here, on. <laughs> now, here's here's the thing. You and I have a thing for, for pointing out how evil the Nazis were. So yes. That, that's part of it. The other thing is, in the back of my mind, I wonder what if there was someone like Assange, there was something like WikiLeaks that was happening in the 50s and 60s while all of this shady shit was happening. How would, would that have changed anything? How would it have changed things? Um, you can, yeah, can you imagine, like, you know, um, Ward and, and June Cleaver reading in the newspaper in the morning that, you know, it's been proved, you know, this person has proof that the federal government is torturing people in Chile, yeah. Brazil, or because the irony is, even though we now know most of the Nazis ended up in Argentina, yeah, because of what was going on, we we were operating in Argentina, but we weren't really looking for Nazis in Argentina. You know what I mean? We yeah. were being led by the nose by the locals. Oh yeah, yeah. They're over here. They're over here. They're over here. Because there, there is a fantastic book written by Jim Mars, and just by me saying there's a fantastic book written by Jim Mars, I could say any any of his books. I think that if you are into the metaphysical, the strange, the paranormal, government cover-ups mm -hmm. and conspiracies, Jim Mars is one of your guys that you have to read. He wrote this amazing book called uh, "The Rise of the Fourth Reich." And it basically outlines everything that we've been talking about for the past, I guess, 34, 35 minutes, talking yeah. about how currency manipulation, talking about how not going in and invading countries with tanks and guns and bullets and troops, but invading countries with um, financial banking products and, <laughs> and getting in there with propaganda. And and, yeah. and get and invading countries with the allure of financial security. We are going to help you. The central banks and the Federal Reserve is going to give you the money to build that bridge and build that school. Oh, and by the way, there's a bill coming up in the United Nations that we think you need to read very carefully and vote the way we think you're going to want to vote. That yeah. kind of manipulation that is that's going on in the global stage, and it was just like this is this is not the democracy that I think that we were fighting for. And so, and here's a guy, Julian Assange, 
who is publishing documents that were stolen by Edward Snowden, putting it on the internet. Everybody loves Julian Assange when he's when he's talking about all the bad crap that Republicans are doing. Um, but when he starts talking about all the crap that the Democrats are doing, now all of a sudden, oh, he's a traitor. Or it's like if you're if you're a Republican, you hate it when he talks bad about Republicans. If you're a Democrat, you hate it when he talks bad about Democrats. It's great when he's going after the party that you hate. But now that he's saying, no, 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 no. This is a crap sandwich that everybody is involved in making. And I'm not taking a bite. Right. That's when, right. And now that they released the fact that, why, yes, um, the, the Department of Justice is going to go after Julian Assange and going to go after Edward Stoughton. They're going to prosecute him. They've already filed the charges against him. They let it leak in the newspapers. And now the Ecuadorian... Um, embassy in London, I guess. They're, now they're under serious pressure to release him to um, the Justice Department here in the United States. What's going to happen when Julian Assange is, I, I hope is captured? I hope they don't release him. I, I hope Ecuador sticks to its guns because I personally want to have someone like Julian Assange out there. And the government both parties in the government, because they're complicit in this. People keep forgetting that the government as an organization exists regardless of whoever's in charge. And even the President of the United States and people in Congress are not being told everything because of the bureaucracy that has grown up over the past 200 some odd years, right? So I want there to be people like Julian Assange out there. I want, first of all, I want to be able to hate him when he's doing something I don't like. Yeah. But He's not, it's not about doing something I like and it's doing something I don't like. It's about doing something that I think is necessary. And I really hope Ecuador sticks to its guns and continues to offer him asylum because we need people like that out there. Because the thing is that other people forget is that he's not just obsessed with the United States government. He's oh, yeah. Really shit. He's really shit about the UK, about um, Russia, about Germany about, oh my gosh, Greece, I think, wants to just string him up by his testicles. Oh, yeah, and and what and how Greece lied to the other member nations in the uh, European in the Union EU. about their economy. And now the yeah. entire European Union is being dragged, you know, through the gutter financially. I think, I think we're watching the, the death throes of the EU. I think, it's, I think it's on its way out the door. It's going to take a while, take decades, I think. But Brexit, I think, is going to be recognized, rightfully so, as the the shot heard around the world for the death of the EU. Yeah. Because you've got other countries, key countries, that are thinking about jumping out of the EU as well. And if it's, it'd be like if the U.S. left the U.N. Mm-hmm. You know? If we ever leave the UN, that would be the beginning of the end of the UN. Yeah. And not because we're so awesome or anything, but because they've got a free building in prime real estate in New York City that they don't pay a dime for. No. We pay for uh, we pay for something like 25% of all of the UN's operations. We are, you know, I mean, we if we were to suddenly pull support, they'd be able to rally and limp along for a while, but not too long, not very long at all. 
I think that that's that's sad because I think that there there should be a world forum where world leaders can get together and talk about these important issues and collaborate and and come to some kind of agreement about what needs to get done in in this arena or that you know how can we how can we fix global how can we fix poverty how can we um well, how, well, how, how can we tackle these issues but see, no, no, I, what they're doing now is wrong i disagree with a little bit of that okay I think we need a world body where people can go and talk and it's recognized and defended neutral ground for people to talk politically about things of actual genuine results. You know, we're never going to end poverty. It's always going to exist because that's the way the world works. But if we talk about, if we can have people talking about how, okay, look, I really don't like the shit you guys are pulling off over there in, in Brazil. You know, you're kind of, you know, are like, you guys are getting too close to doing shit in, in Mexico and we don't like it in the U S and you know what I mean? Yeah. Those kinds of things where it's neutral ground. You don't have to worry about everyone checking each other's backs and all this other shit. Like you see in the movies, it's, it's recognized and enforced neutral ground. I think that's important for negotiations. Then again, I also think every negotiator, political negotiator representing their nation should hold on to a baby as they're conducting these negotiations because you can't do evil shit while you're holding on to a baby. That's just me. So, I mean, we just, I don't think the UN, I think the UN is, is, becoming more of an activist body than a political body. Yeah. And activists are great for drawing attention to things. They're not so good for finding solutions. You know, yeah. um, Martin Luther King is, we often think of him as, you know, the civil rights leader and all that other kind of stuff. And the guy who really started the end of racism. But the truth is, he, in his own writings, only considered himself to be pointing a finger to start the conversation yeah. so that it can be brought to an end. If you listen to the context of his I Have a Dream speech, that's what he's talking about. You know, the, the one line there where people are judged not by the color of their skin, but the content of their character. Yeah. I don't see that happening as a result of, of affirmative action or anything like that. The color of the skin is still a product of it and that is a horrible thing in my opinion you know there was a ted talk i watched where uh, a guy was talking about what i learned from my white grandchildren and he's a black man and he has white grandchildren for whatever reason i don't really care because he loves his grandchildren and mm -hmm. he noticed that his grandchildren had no concept of race it was something they were taught yeah and if we as adults could just shut the fuck up about race racism would be over in two generations it would just be over if we could just keep our big traps shut yeah because yeah. children do not care all they care about is are you going to be my friend exactly and there's a lot we can learn about that i mean that is the true essence of human nature right there and then as we get older, we start looking for things to to see something else as being different. And that's where we end up with all this shit. It's a uh, lot like your favorite movie 
and somebody points out something in your favorite movie that sort of like has always irked them or there's like like there's a boom mic that you can actually see coming like just down just a little bit just a little tip of it and then from now mm-hmm. on your favorite movie is tainted because you can't unsee that you can't unknow that little bit of trivia and exactly. it's just like and people say something about how have you ever noticed those people always do this and now you can't because now now that's stuck now that's stuck in your head and it was right. like and when you, when you see it it's sort of like it's like ah geez I, I wish I didn't know that I wish I you know I wish somebody didn't point that out because now it's being overly exaggerated in my head and mm-hmm. it was like there's some things that's like you, you don't you don't want to know about these things about other people and it, you, it's just like there's some people that just needs to just I know you like to perseverate I know you like to whine about things and I know that you like to be a little controversial but there's some things that you just stop freaking talking about people don't mm-hmm. want to hear it anymore yeah, you know, and it was, and but then there are other things that you need to know. You need yeah. you, and and we need somebody. And you said this a couple of minutes ago. We need we need a Julian Assange to have a place where we can read information about what's going on in the world. We do yeah. need we we because. There's a there's a great story out there, and I know I know that we're I mean we're we're like so far down the rabbit hole it's not even funny. <laughs> there there was um there was this horrible military airplane crash, and the family of 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 the the airplane crew this is a, a military um plane that had crashed, and um. The family wanted to know why. Why didn't why why you know why did my husband or son die? And they were wanted to sue the government for um, information. Uh, and the thing is, is that the federal government says we can't we can't release that information because of state secrets. There was something going on in that airplane that is something has something to do with national security. We can't tell you what happened because of national security. National security is a perfect excuse for everything. 30 years later, they did a deeper investigation and the government lied about why this airplane crashed. It's not because it had some top secret technology in it. It's because they had like a like a faulty fuel pump or something and they knew it was faulty and they didn't bother to replace it because for reasons, bureaucracy, they had a bureaucratic reason not to fix it. And, and, and I say... Um, fuel pump. I'm not really sure what it was, but it was something so incredibly mundane. It's not even. It's not even funny. This airplane fell out of the sky because of something mundane. I'm just saying fuel pump. Just to, I'm pulling it out of the yeah. air. Yes, just to have something to say. Just, to, just because the thing is, I remember it being, and I remember listening to it. And it's like really seriously. And they claim state secret. And when they claim national security and state secrets, nine times out of ten, it's just like. We're embarrassed. We won't. We don't want to tell you what's really going on. It's that one time when they say, you know, state secrets. You know, right? And that's supposed to shut people up when it does you know, the exact opposite. And I think it's funny because, like, you think back to Iron Man movie, right? Yeah. Where they, you know, how how are we going to explain this? Well, training accident. Isn't that how that usually goes? Yeah. You know, and it's the same thing, except, well, it's, it's state secrets due to operational security, blah, blah, blah. National security is the biggest lie. Talking about national security is the, is the, is, 
it's how they get away it's how they get away with so much shit well national security is one of the the buzzwords or buzz phrases i guess would probably be more accurate that they use but national security um state secrets all of these these phrases are basically in order for the government to do what it needs to do it needs to do some pretty shady shit and do you really want to know is really what those things are saying that's that's what those phrases really mean and as much as we like to prefer to think that our government does not engage in shady shit in order to be a government it has to it has to you know that's where the this whole all of this shit happening at the border with this with this migrant caravan allegedly called migrant caravan mm-hmm. um it's all bullshit anyone who thinks trump is an asshole for doing this is deluding themselves if they think any other president would have done things any differently oh, barack obama yeah. would have done the same thing freaking um george bush would have done the same thing bill clinton would have done the same thing fucking hillary clinton would do would do the, would have done the same thing had she been president and i think that we're in denial to think that with pe- with people storming the gate and throwing r- rocks and stuff um but it's like well, I, even it, but it, even the yeah even all of that stuff that that may or may not be happening because you know i don't necessarily trust everything i'm reading about what's going on down there because everyone all of the media has strong opinions on and that is going to influence how they're presenting that story the truth of the matter is our economy cannot absorb forty thousand people we can't we can't even take care of the, the 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 people that we have here already, like the veterans who are already. I mean, we could if we weren't in all of these um, in all of these quasi illegal wars and stuff like that. If we weren't like blowing, like the Pentagon lost how many trillions of dollars in the course of twenty years? Well, again, we've we've discussed this in an yeah. earlier show. They they didn't lose it. I, I, I you know that it. I was being facetious. Yeah, exactly. But it's. It just it, it kills me because the government cannot absorb that many people just suddenly becoming coming in as refugees refugees. Refugees are expensive. Ask anyone in Europe who pays attention about their refugee influx and the result of it, of what happened. Mm-hmm. You know, their economies are having a hard time dealing with it. If you don't have the available employment opportunities for them, that means they're going on the public dole. They're going on the public dime. And that's that's a massive influx. That's a massive increase of it. And we're just we just our economy is just not able to handle that many people suddenly showing up out the door saying we're here to work or even we're just here because we don't like where we were. You know, and according to the UN if they had to pass from one country through another country to reach our country, they are no longer refugees. Yeah. That UN actually defines a refugee. If you're just escaping a bad situation, you don't get to determine what country has to assign has to give you refuge. You don't have that luxury. If you're a true refugee, yeah. you do not have that luxury. And they've traveled through three countries or two countries to get to our border. So according to the UN, they're not refugees. But you're not going to hear that from certain 
uh, from certain newspapers and media outlets, and you're only going to hear that from other certain newspapers and media outlets. And it's all just it's all just such bullshit because everything is seen through that prism of how can I make it look like my side's right instead of it just being you know why haven't we investigated what caused this to happen yeah what happened in wherever it is they come Nicar- from, how South come South. nobody is sitting down with saying, the leaders of Nicar- it, how come nobody is sitting down with the leaders of Nicaragua and showing people the pictures. These are pictures of people that that were born and raised in your country, and they fled your country, and they are storming the borders of other countries. That. What yeah. are you doing that's so bad that's driving whatever it is you need to do? You need to stop. People not are even, fleeing. Not even that, dude. Go for it. Not what? even that. What happened that suddenly thousands of people had to leave right now? Because that's that's what a refugee is. Yeah, there is an event that happened. For example, the outflux of the Jewish people from Germany once the Nazis got in power. There was a huge outpouring when they got in power. People trying of of German Jews trying to leave Germany. There was a cause for that. They had concerns. They wanted to leave. They feared for their lives. There was. There was an incident that happened that caused those refugees to exist. Same thing with the Middle East. There was a huge outpouring of refugees from the Middle East during when we went over there and invaded Iraq yep. and Afghanistan. A bunch of people left. Why? Fucking war happened, dude. I, I don't want to be there with my kids when bombs are falling out of the fucking sky and neither side really cares about whether me, who doesn't give a shit about the politics, is caught in the middle. Because that's what happens in war. Yeah, There was something that causes refugees to happen. And no one is asking, well, what happened in Nicaragua that suddenly caused these thousands of people to leave? Because the truth is, it was not anything that happened in Nicaragua. It was something that happened in the United States. That means they're not fleeing something. They're making a statement. You think and when so? a bunch of people who allegedly have absolutely no money are traveling thousands of miles can get a lawyer capable of trying court in the federal government makes you wonder i mean there's a lot about this that really makes me ask questions the refugees i i i I, I, listen if i was in if i was in nicaragua and i was living in in those conditions where drug lords are running rampant the government has sort of ceased to exist i would have taken my family and fled nicaragua and gone elsewhere yeah and but and there's a i mean yes we do have to look at the fact that there is some kind of humanitarian disaster going on in nicaragua but the thing is Mm -hmm. is that they're in mexico they've been offered asylum in mexico but they still want to come to the united states and you know and flood the border that really there's something about that and you can we're going to get into trouble for saying this. We're going to get into oh, yeah. trouble for saying uh, there's something about this that doesn't look right. There's something about this that smells awful. And if isn't aw- that something that if the someone the, the the reporter out there that wants to be the next Woodward and Bernstein, they should be the ones asking that question. They should be the ones trying to find out what's going on. They should be the ones digging into that. If Julian Assange was able to have people 
on the ground and reporters on the ground, I have, there's no doubt in my mind that's what they'd be doing because Julian Assange is just a shit stirrer. That's all he is. He just wants to agitate the shit. He wants to find the deepest, darkest secrets about what's going on. Yeah. That is his only motivation. And if he could send people in, he can't. But if he could, we would know a lot more about what is really going on with these refugees because either there's a cover-up happening that some serious shit that happened in Nicaragua, in which case we as an international community maybe need to take a closer look that caused these refugees to leave. Or these refugees are not leaving Nicaragua for that reason. They're actually being paid or, or promised something once they got to the United States. Either way, that refugee caravan is not what we're being led to believe it is. No. There's something else going on. And and I th- and and I think that we should be allowed to say, hey, I I, I don't I don't buy this. There's something right. about this that smells wrong. We should be allowed to say that. And it doesn't. That doesn't mean just because I'm you know concerned about that or however whatever nice sounding phrase you want to use doesn't mean I don't feel for them. The because they're no matter how you look at it. They're in a shit situation. The, the refugees themselves—they're yeah. either being manipulated for polit- for someone else's political motivations, or they were in a genuine shit situation and wanted to get out. Now, if it's the latter of the two, then they're also under some political manipulation as well. Because why wouldn't they have taken refugee refuge in Mexico when it was where it was offered to them? You know. Yeah. Now. Yeah. There are some less kind-hearted souls out there who would say, well, hell, would you want to stay in Mexico if you could come to the United States? But to be honest with you, parts of Mexico, yeah. Yeah, there are parts of Mexico that may not be as good as the United States, at least the perception of the United States, but there are parts of Mexico that are gorgeous, that you can gain, have gainful employment and live a good life. And then... You know, I mean, all of the really nasty shit that's happening in Mexico, most of it's happening in certain areas. And if you avoid those areas, you're fine. So, I mean, it just, it, these are the things that kind of give me more gray hairs because it just drives me nuts. Yeah. You can, we I can see quite clearly that we're being manipulated. Whatever side you're on, you're being manipulated so that, they're the bad guys, whoever they are, whether it's your political opponents domestically, the migrant caravan, or whatever. They're the bad guys. They're the people that you should be hating. When the truth is, you don't know what's going on. <clears throat> no one's telling us the truth. We don't know. And that's where, that's the role that Julian Assange plays. Now, I don't particularly like Julian Assange. I read a few interviews with him, and as a person, he is not someone I would want to sit down and have a cup of coffee with. He does come off as a bit of an arrogant prick sometimes. A, a he does seem he seems a little a, too a full bit? of himself. He does. He he does a come little? off. He comes off as Well, I'm not saying the guy's arrogant, but you know, he referred to himself as the second coming. So <laughs> <laughs> I think maybe he's a little full of himself. Just just a, just 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 a just a bit. Just a bit. You but know. that doesn't discount what he's doing. That, right. The We need people to stir up the shit. Otherwise, it's just going to fester and sit there and just eventually the stink is going to reach everywhere. Yeah. You know? 
So, I mean, we kind of need Julian Assange for that reason. And holy shit, did we go off topic. I thought you said you were going to rein me in on that. <laughs> I'm blaming <laughs> you. It's not my fault. <laughs> we have, I've tried. I've tried. I've thrown you a couple of lifelines. <laughs> Damn it, dude. <laughs> We've talked about we've talked about Julian Assange and and currency manipulation, and the 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 financial crisis. We didn't even get to the other stuff. How much time do you have left? Uh, I, I got maybe fifteen minutes, twenty minutes. All right. Do we want to talk about depopulating Mars or decolonizing Mars real quick? Um, yeah, let's actually touch on that a little bit because that that we can actually kind of ham-handedly segue into it because <laughs> given how much we fucked up our own planet. There's uh there's a number of people at at NASA well not a number there's at least two, uh so NASA scientists who are basically saying we really shouldn't go and colonize Mars because we haven't got our shit together on Earth. And while I can completely understand that thought process and even sympathize with it, there's still a part of me that says you work for fucking NASA. What yeah. the hell is wrong with you? You know, oh, let's let's not do what we exist to do because, you know, I'm an activist or political reasons. I mean, regardless of how valid those reasons are, because we have to, <laughs> you look at human history, anytime people who think they are culturally superior end up someplace else, the people who were originally there get fucked over which is why Mars should theoretically be the perfect place for us to go if there's no life on it. But I don't know. It just, we're it, not, this... we're, we're not exactly sure if, whether or not, um, there is Mars. Uh, there is life on Mars in some way, shape or form underneath the crust. Cause the thing is, is that the insight lander, um, which arrived at Mars earlier this week, is there to actually see what is going on beneath the surface of Mars and is there any seismic activity. This is basically mm -hmm. the first look at, like, under the surface, as it were. Mm -hmm. And we're going to find out things about Mars that is going to, once again, turn our um, ideas of Mars and our, and our concept of the planet, our preconceived notions of the planet upside down one way or another for, for good or for ill. Um, I, and I read, and I read the article that you had sent me and it's linked on our show page. Um, uh, paranormal news of the week with Jay Cousineau. And I'm actually looking at the date here for December 1st. Wow. Where'd the year go? Um, and the, and the whole notion is like, you know what, maybe maybe Mars is not for us to colonize. Maybe Mars belongs to whatever microbial life exists there already. Uh, and I don't, I don't know. I'm on the fence of that. And the thing is, is that what if we said, okay, well, what if we want to terraform Mars? Not Mars, but Venus. What, what, what rights or obligations do we have to do the same thing? Um... There's a great video about what would happen if we um, terraformed the moon by bombarding it with 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 comets and allowed you know to develop um, liquid water along the surface and and eventually it build an atmosphere. Um, do we have the right to do that to the moon, our own moon? Um, yeah. 
And it was Well, I think we still need to find out if that shit's hollow or not. But no, I, I would be fascinated to see what is going on the be, beneath the surface of the moon, or do we already know? Um, and I think that that's, <laughs> I think that that's an that's an interesting conversation to have. Do we have the right to go and colonize another world? What if there was an opportunity for us to go to an Earth-like planet orbiting another star, like a, a another planet similar to ours that evolved all all on its own it has its own ecosystem it has its own biosphere it has its its own life it has indigenous life forms do we have the right to go there and colonize that planet when it already has primates that are showing signs early signs of intelligent life do we have the right to go there and mess with them and say, well, you know. Well, and even if we did, if we were to go there and just not even mess with them, just observe them, but not carefully enough so that they actually see us, by the time we got back to Earth to tell people about that shit, there would be a television show on that planet about ancient aliens were visited <laughs> in our history. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> and I mean,. The human mind has a difficult a difficult time conceiving of a concept of infinity. We always think in limited parameters. That's why we have the two political parties, among other things. And is it impossible for us to consider that as much as we talk about like UFOs, especially on this show, wouldn't we be the UFO? If yeah, we wouldn't we? Yes. Alpha Centauri? Exactly then we would be doing that, you know, and hopefully we're not going to be shoving probes up people's asses, but, well, uh, you know, it is NASA, so. Uh. <laughs> whatever, <laughs> whatever. Whatever it takes. But it, it's interesting to me that, first of all, I, I, it's fascinating that this has been brought up, right? Um, I think it's interesting also that NASA actually has a scientist with purple hair working for them, but That's let's fine. leave that aside for now. Oh, you didn't see the the, the picture of, of one of these scientists. She's got like purple hair. Yep, good for her. Which, yeah, which I I have nothing I have nothing against the purple hair. It's just there's a part of me that when you have purple hair and you're talking about we don't have a right to do it. Yeah, you've just become an activist in my mind because that's how shallow I am. So yeah. Um, but it's a very valid point though, in terms of in our to to, to paraphrase. Um, to paraphrase from Jurassic Park, just because we can doesn't mean we should. Yeah, I, I, I yeah. You know, there's there's that that moral question that I I think is valid. However, I don't think that should stop us from trying to explore and and find out what's out there. We just should be able to be more mindful of it. Yeah. There's no hard and fast rules. This is not Star Trek. We don't have a prime directive, right? Not yet. Not yet. Maybe we will. Who knows? But the point of the, the my point that I'm thinking is just because there's alien life somewhere doesn't mean that we can't investigate it and find out what's going on with it. The line needs to be drawn, though, is how much we interfere with it. Yeah. 
you know and if if for example say we were to find say we were to land on mars and you know the wildest dreams of some conspiracy theorists are true and there's an actual thriving civilization just a half mile underneath the crust of mars and they have a full freaking biosphere down there or whatever would it be bad for us to actually make contact with them? As long as we don't walk in there guns blazing and just shooting people up or capturing people and saying, hey, look, this is what an alien looks like and putting him in a zoo like they did with the Native Americans in Europe. Right. As long as we don't do the things we know we're capable of doing that we shouldn't do, would it be wrong for us to communicate with them? Ethics. It's a matter of ethics. Whether or not you have the right to do something, and whether or not is it is it good or is it bad, turns it all upside down. The question of like, how come aliens haven't contacted us? I wonder if there's like you know some Anunnaki aliens somewhere doing a uh, a podcast about should we should we make contact with the with the Earth people? Do you think that they'd be better off uh, knowing about us? I, I think that that would be a great idea. Um, I don't know. I, because the thing is, is that when it's the other way around, we're talking about a primitive civilization. Should we let them know that we're here? Should we make our presence known? I think that's that is that's a scary thing. That's a scary concept. Well, we even have that, and we weren't going to talk about that, or at least we discussed not talking about this on the show. But we even have that here on Earth. Yeah, and there's that there's that island off the coast coast of India, between India and, and Africa. And they have lived in such isolation that anyone that goes there, they just kill. Yeah. Because they are the ultimate aggressive expression of, holy shit, what is it? Kill it. Exactly. You know? And um, you sent me the article about that. Who was it? Was it a mercenary? Yes, a kid mercenary wanted to go teach these savages about Christ. Yeah, and as soon as I he... think that's missionary, not mercenary. Oh, okay. Yeah, I, you can understand. You can understand. You know, spending too much time uh, reading about conspiracies and cover ups. Oh, yeah. Of course, yeah, I'd, yeah, I'd no, confuse. No, no. I'm not blaming you. I'm not blaming you. I find it <laughs> but, but the thing is, is but at like, the same time, though, if he goes over there and makes contact with them, what if he's carrying some sort of disease that they don't have antibodies for, like measles? Yeah, like measles, like. Any of the diseases that wiped out so many thousands of the, the First Nations people that were here when the Europeans came over. I read, it, I, I read an article bastards. that asked the very same question, Jay. Yeah. What if, what if, he, what if he just he, – he was coming down with a cold and they've never experienced colds. They have no immunity to the common cold whatsoever. Mm-hmm. They all come down with a cold. That could wipe out their entire population. I know yeah. people are like saying, oh, it's just a cold. No, it's not just a cold. It's something yeah, that you they... know what else was just a cold? Fucking the Black Plague. Yeah. The flu. Yeah. The, the, the common flu wiped out more people in the late 19, 19-teens. Mm-hmm. The 19... Yeah. The end of World War II, one. It, it wiped out more people. The flu wiped out more people than um, people who were wiped out by, killed in, in, in World War One. Yeah. You're going to go to a place where these people have no immunity whatsoever. 
They have no they have no immunization program whatsoever. They have no concept of what life is like outside their island. What right do you have to go and share your religion with those people who are getting along just fine without us? What right do we have? What right do we have to go to another planet in our solar system and wipe out whatever life is there already so we can have a better chance at survival? Right. That's a tough and question. And I'm a, I'm a, hey, I'm, I'm Mr. Science Fiction. I'm Mr. Yeah. Sci-Fi. I love the idea of going and colonizing uh, other planets and stuff like that in the comfort of my own living room. That's exciting. I would, and I would love to be able to, I'd like to do that. I'd like to set up the first website and podcast from <laughs> Mars. I'd love to, but what right do I have? What if, what if we have the way to turn um, Venus into a lush jungle planet, a one giant Amazon forest? By doing that, would we be wiping out the life that, that may already exist? It's very unlikely that life exists on Venus. But, I mean, here's a planet that's almost just like Earth. Except, well, give or take a couple hundred degrees. Give or take a couple. I mean, look, it's it's it has a, a similar mass. It's the same mm-hmm. size. It's just a little closer to the sun than we are. But if they had a biosphere similar to ours, it, we could. Well, it, it also comes down to our own prejudices in terms of how do you define life. Exactly. Right? So me personally, I would rather see us go out to the asteroid belt yeah set up a a mining colony whatever you want to call it research outlet a fucking weather observatory whatever the hell you want to call it <laughs> whatever whatever um, <laughs> whatever jay wants to do whatever he's called exactly there are there are asteroids in the asteroid field that are up to half the size of our moon or larger yeah we could go out there set up you know set up shop on an asteroid out there there's no life on asteroids. No. As, as we understand it anyway. As we understand life, <clears throat> and if, yeah. And if we interfere with life, not understanding that it's life, is it really a bad thing? You know? I mean, there's there has to be... You can't argue the morality of something without there being an intent behind it. And yeah. if, you're in, if you're unintentionally mucking with something, not knowing that you're mucking with something, are you really at fault for it? I would argue no, but you know that's that we could get you know this is the metaphysical con- podcast, not the philosophical podcast. Oh, it's becoming so, that way. It's hey, it's whatever <laughs> we want it to this week. <laughs> we touch on it, you know. Yeah. Right? Hell, we've been talking about Nazis when we didn't even have anything talking about Nazis yeah. in the in the lineup. So, but yeah, um, I would rather see us actually go out. I think exploration, the spirit of exploration, is important for us as humans in our psyche to go out there and see what is what is out there in the black what is out there what's over the next mountain what's what does what's the view like from that mountain what's just how cold is it underneath the you know at the bottom of the marianas trench or challenger deep Mm -hmm. you know um those questions i think are important because 
they push us as a people, they push technology, it, it causes us to to better ourselves in many, many ways. Mm-hmm. I mean, some of the things that are offshoots of the space race of the 1960s are what is enabling you and I to have this oh, conversation absolutely. while you're sitting in southern New Hampshire and I'm sitting in northern Utah. Yeah. And dozens of people are going to listen to this over the course of the next week or two. I want to say thank you to my family for listening to the podcast. Yeah. And, you know, thank, I mean, yeah, thank, all thank, of this is an offshoot of what they developed for the space race to get us to the moon. Right. The thing, and what, the, I mean, what could happen? The, the space program, the race to the moon, changed the planet, changed technology, changed the way we look at the universe in ways that we that can never be undone. Mm-hmm. We had a giant push for fetter, faster, better computers. And because of that, that push... We need these we need these faster better computers for the moon. Then that developed in well here's a great way to f- help finance new computer technology. Make the sale of these computers available for large businesses everywhere. They got faster, more efficient, smaller, and they kept getting smaller and smaller and then sometime in the late 70s, early 80s a personal computer came out all because the government agencies, this is when government does something good for a change. They have a need. They take tax dollars, research and development, and eventually that technology trickles in to mass circulation, trickles in into everyday markets. And I'm grateful for that. And I'm sure that when we... And then 30 years later, Apple comes out with the Dick Tracy watch. Exactly. Um, I'm sure that if we push for human exploration on the moon, again, Mars, these, these other asteroids, these planetoids within our solar system, the push for that is going to introduce new technologies into our everyday life that's going to make our lives better and easier, allow us to do things that we couldn't possibly imagine. Nobody could ever imagine anybody, any of us, doing a podcast 50 years ago. It's what, What's a pod? What's a podcast? <laughs> what's an internet? Nobody, wait a minute. How, how could how could you have how could you have a computer in your house when a computer takes up the size of an entire floor uh, in, in a building? Have, I, have I don't understand kids, that. People, you, when your kids were younger, did you ever get this question? Like my son asked me this when he was like ten or eleven. He was like, "Dad, how long have you wanted to work on the internet?" Because I've been an internet engineer yeah. for decades, and I was like, "He's like, were, were you like?" 10 when you decided you wanted to work on the internet and I looked at him and I said son the, the internet didn't exist when I was 10 yeah and he just gave me this sort of confused look and was like what do you mean the internet didn't exist <laughs> you know and I mean I think the advances that have come about since World War One, 
I mean, if you think about it, the 20th century, the beginning of the 20th century, there was the automobiles had already kind of started, right? The first automobiles were invented. If I remember correctly, it's in the, the very end of the 19th century. So the concept of using, well, trains already existed, but the concept of being able to drive wherever you want without needing a track because you have this machine that enables you to do so then led to manned flight in 1908, which then led to us going to the moon in 1969, in the space of 61 years, we went from no man has ever flown to yeah. we just put boots on the ground on the fucking moon. Conversely, yeah. we went from, yeah, you know, we have this thing, we call it a computer. It does math. It's basically a really complicated light switch yeah. to the internet in 30 years. It's crazy. You know, and it, it moves. Progress goes through these bursts of just incredible rapid speed. And we don't know where we're going to end up. We might end up on Mars and people like um, these two scientists. And, and I only know, I only remember the name of one of them. Like, you know, um, okay. Oh, here it is. Lucian Walkowitz, Enango Lumumba Kasango, and Chandra Prescott Weinstein. The these three may be considered in the future the the moral conscience of space travel. You know, yeah. I, as much as like the explorer in me wants to say, well, shut the fuck up. We're just we're just looking. Yeah. You know, they are causing us to question the morality of our actions and you know me personally i think we should put a base on the moon it'd be much easier for us to launch exploration probes from the moon than it would be from the earth because less gravity no atmosphere to worry about blah 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 all that other kind of happy shit so we should put a base on the moon use that as our launching point put another base on an asteroid in the asteroid field and then i mean are you familiar with because because science yes. on YouTube the YouTube channel? Yep, my kids insist on showing me um, videos. Yeah, and one of the things I like about it is he actually talks about things that we see in pop culture, like in Star Wars. You know, the chances of surviving an asteroid of flying through surviving flying through an asteroid field are blah 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 blah. Scientifically speaking, no. Yeah. That's not true. We can put a base on an asteroid and quite safely navigate through it. It's just like shoal waters from the, the pirates that the pirates dealt with in the 1600s, right? 1500s, 1600s. They just had to know where the dangerous shit is and then avoid it, you know? Yeah. So we could then, we could have a base on the moon. We could relay out to the asteroid field and who knows, maybe set up another one on one of the moons of Saturn. And that could be our slingshot to exploring our solar system and possibly colonizing our solar system. You know? And is it morally wrong for us to do that if, big if, 
there is no intelligent life on those places that we're setting up shop, that we're setting up those stations. You know what? The thing is, we didn't even get to talk about the other topic that we want. I think we're going to actually shelve this for next week because we don't know if whether or not this story is true or not. Some guy in China claims that he has manipulated the genes, uh, the genetic of code twins. of twins, so that they will be able to um, uh, not be, not not contract AIDS through AIDS through HIV, and. It's a story that a lot of people are saying. I, I, I don't. I don't. I don't think he did this. I. I don't. I don't think that he actually did what he said he thinks he did. And there are a lot of us who are just like I. I need to know more. But at the same time, let's say let's say fifty years ago, my parents wanted to mess with my genes and make sure that I. Oh, uh, let's dude. Fit. No huh? offense, but 50 years ago, your dad wanted to mess with your mom's jeans. That's <laughs> <No>. <laughs> you take that back. Um, <laughs> no, because the thing is, that it was just like, if if you mess with a child's genetic code, let's say that you, you, you alter your kid's genetic code to make sure that he has a stronger jawline and, and, and straighter teeth. Yep. Gattaca. At what point do you mess with a kid's genes when that kid is no longer that kid anymore? Now, I'm, I, I know that we're talking about embryos before they develop into fetuses, or even even before that. But the thing is, like, if you mess with my genes, at what point do you stop being, or when do I stop being me? That's, yeah. that's not a tough question to ask. Well, now you're dealing with uh, very metaphysical concepts. So yeah, we're just we're gonna have to shelve this for possibly next because we week, don't know I, if the story gotta, is true. I actually got to work today. So. What? <laughs> I thought we were working now. All right. <laughs> so crazy world out there, Jay. Uh, Absolutely. And I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna put this podcast up on the internet just the way it is, just so people can know, um, you know, how scatterbrained we are. How scatterbrained that? we are. <laughs> so when I, all right, Jay. Thanks for another great show, man. Thank you, man. Great talking to you. As All always. right. And happy December. Yes. Happy December to you, too. This has been the Metaphysical Connection podcast from the Fedora Chronicles Network. Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast via iTunes, Google Play, or Player FM. You can find our podcast via your Apple, Android, or Windows devices using those services and more. If your favorite podcast service or program doesn't feature us, let us know by shooting us an email via info at thefedorachronicles.com. You can be a part of the Metaphysical Connection by subscribing to the Fedora Chronicles Network on Twitter through at Fedora Chronicle. There you will find jazz era counterculture, vintage threads, lost history, conspiracies, the paranormal, and space news. You can also join our Facebook group at facebook.com groups, the Metaphysical Connection. Both platforms are great ways to join our growing community, connect with other friends of the show, and find out what's coming up in next week's episode. Most importantly, you can support the show by hitting the Patreon button on all of our show pages, metaphysicalpodcast.com. Patreons of the show get specials such as getting the podcast a day before the rest of the audience, heads up about future episodes, and other exclusives. 
Want some metaphysical connection swag of your own? Get your own damn metaphysical connection coffee mugs, t-shirts, keychains, and barbecue aprons at our Zazzle page. My house is full of them. Yours should be too. Find them at www.zazzle.com slash Fedora Chronicles. Don't forget to check out our show sponsor, the Trinity Whip Company. Traditionally made kangaroo whips, top quality craftsmanship, and form as well as function. Handcrafted by Blake Brunning. Find his products at www.trinitywhipco.com. This is Carol Fisk thanking you for listening and signing off. Until next time, keep your chin up and your bra, excuse me, fedora on. <laughs>